Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. So here we are, presenting the final seven players on my 75 all-time greats list from the NBA's first 75 seasons. To recap, I've selected 15 players for each of five 15-season eras and incorporated the 50 all-time greats selected by the NBA in conjunction with its 50th anniversary in 1996. The NBA is also going to release an NBA 75 all-time greats sometime this coming season, but it is not honoring the selection of its first 50. Their 75 could include some or all of the first 50, but the panel selecting them is under no obligation to recognize their previous recognition. I look forward to seeing who their 75 are for two reasons. One, I want to see how many of the first 50 make it. And two, if there is consistency in the logic of their process. That, I find, is the biggest problem with having committees select anything. Every committee member may have their own philosophy of selection, which can result in selections that don't make sense in light of others. Whereas, you may not agree with every one of my picks, but I can assure you that the process was consistent. It feels weird recording an NBA podcast on the first Sunday of 2021 NFL regular season action, especially now that I'm a weekly co-host talking of both NBA and NFL on FS1's Speak for Yourself. But I promised that we would wrap up my list of 75 all-time greats, so that's what we're going to do. 
I do say in the open that the conversation here is primarily, but not exclusively, on the NBA. So there may be times in the future that I look to share some of what I'm learning by being at Fox, surrounded by a lot of astute football people and having those conversations. Astute football people that occasionally lost perspective or have a clouded perception, but astute football people nonetheless. On to the completion of our 75. I'll say right out front, getting to 71 was not hard. Much like the previous episode, there were a few players yet unnamed that I knew were in. It was just a matter of introducing them. But I suspect the last few spots, which will determine who is not among the 75, is where this gets tough. At this point, we're weighing number one options who only went so far or fell short of the ultimate goal versus number twos who were part of winning it all. Let's put it this way. There isn't a clear-cut 75. No one's picking a clear-cut 75. And I've got at least one player who didn't make the cut that I wish I could have found a way to include. I just couldn't. The next three to join the 75 are... Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, and Russ Westbrook. Three players who never won a ring by themselves. Dwight's the only one who has one. But who distinguished themselves as singular forces at their position for an extraordinary stretch of their careers. Let's start with Howard. We think of him as a super sub now. One of the most efficient complementary players in the league, which is an amazing evolution after starting his career as a number one option or catalyst, a franchise cornerstone. And it's amazing for several reasons. And yes, that amazement plays into at least a little bit why he's here. I've seen other great number one options evolve into valuable complementary players. Jason Kidd and Grant Hill are the first that come to mind. But those are players whose maturity and basketball IQ I never questioned. It was just a matter of if they wanted to reinvent themselves. I didn't see that in Howard in Orlando. His struggles in LA the first time around were a reflection of that, along with a back issue far worse than anyone understood at the time. There was the transition to a system and a style that wasn't built for him in Houston. Then the journeyman slog through Atlanta, Charlotte, and D.C., and the awkward public issues that came with it. That he loved the game enough to come through all that and play a key supportive role for the Lakers in winning a title says a lot about his growth, understanding the game, and as a man. Before all that, though, he was the dominant center in the game, particularly defensively for a solid four, five-year stretch. A cornerstone in an Orlando team that went to the finals in 09. Back-to-back-to-back Defensive Player of the Year awards. Five consecutive years as the first team All-NBA center. Eight All-NBA selections in all. Five rebounding titles. Two shot-blocking titles. There are centers among the top 50 who never accomplished all that. Take your place in the club, Dwight. Carmelo Anthony never made it to the finals, but he will go down as one of the greatest small forwards, scoring small forwards, the league has ever seen. 
a stretch of 11 seasons where he averaged 25 points a game or better nine times. Six All-NBA selections. In 18 seasons, he's been instrumental in getting his teams to the playoffs 13 times. We can talk about what could have been had he done a better job of staying in shape or had better leadership skills, but there's no way he misses the cut. There are holes we could poke in Russell Westbrook's overall resume as well, but his strengths and his accomplishments easily outweigh them. Discount his four seasons averaging a triple-double as manufactured, but the energy required every night to produce them can't be. Like Mello, he was never as good of a two-way player as you'd expect from someone so physically gifted, but nine All-NBA selections and first team in consecutive years speak to his dominance as an offensive force. Two scoring titles and two assist titles speak to that as well. His game has not aged particularly well or translated to the same dominance in the playoffs, but that's judging him by the category he put himself in from the start of his career. In 13 seasons, he's been in the playoffs 11 times. Like so much of what makes Russ, Russ, he makes the list through sheer determination and brute force. And now this is where it gets tricky. My next three picks, Paul George, Pau Gasol, and Clay Thompson, never had all-time success as number ones. But their sustained excellence earns them a spot. Gasol never won a playoff game before joining Kobe Bryant in LA, but he was the ideal number two on two championship teams and three trips to the finals. Like a lot of Western European bigs, he was tested plenty by the Kevin Garnett's and Rasheed Wallace's who saw a finesse big they did all they could to intimidate. And sometimes it worked. But Powell had his ultimate payback in the 2010 Finals, outplaying them both when it mattered most. Four All-NBA selections is on the thin side, admittedly. But his prime coincided with a time when the league was chock full of outstanding forwards, power and small, especially at the four. Tim Duncan, KG, Sheed, Dirk, Jermaine O'Neal, Zach Randolph, LaMarcus Aldridge, Amari Stoudemire. The Powell will walk away with more titles than any of them other than Timmy illustrates how essential he was to the Lakers reaching three finals and winning two of them. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Clay Thompson is in the same category. He has never had the chance to show what he could do as a number one, but you could not find a more ideal running mate for Steph Curry than Clay. His All-NBA selections, two, and All-Defensive Team Awards, one, would normally give me pause to put him here. If it weren't that I believe he has been given short shrift as a defender, 
because he's such an extraordinary shooter. That he's made only one all-defensive squad is a reflection of A, the position designations are incredibly loose when it comes to picking the two teams and seem to favor bigs over smalls, and B, voters seem to favor players who are seen as exclusively defensive players. Tony Allen, with six all-defensive selections while averaging six points, is one example. Patrick Beverly, with three selections while averaging less than eight points, is another. Clay gets massive extra credit for the fact that his scoring, scoring efficiency, and defense remained as high in his seven postseason appearances as they did in his eight regular seasons. I don't know what we'll see from him after missing the last two years, but at 28, he would otherwise be entering his prime, and perhaps he still will. But as the best two-way player on three championship teams that went to five consecutive finals, the effort at both ends for that many consecutive way longer than usual seasons, no doubt being a likely reason for the injuries that have cost him the last two seasons, I couldn't leave him out. Sparse all-NBA and all-defensive selections be damned. Paul George shares similarities with both Powell and Clay. He actually did more than Powell as a number one, reaching the Eastern Conference Finals twice with the Indiana Pacers. And let's not forget, he was a legitimate MVP candidate in Oklahoma City three seasons ago until injuries derailed him, finishing third, and was the driving force behind the Clippers getting past the Utah Jazz in the second round and taking the Suns to six games in the Western Conference Finals just this past season. He's had some notable face plants in the postseason, for sure. But let's not pretend that's his entire story. As a two-way player, he has been a consistent standout, despite having to overcome a compound fracture to his right tibia four years into his career. When I think of how certain players are regarded as great, because they excel at one end of the floor or the other, I also feel as if we overlook those who are very good, bordering on great, at both ends almost all the time. Paul George is one of those, and his six all-NBA selections and four all-defensive teams made shows that at least with him, unlike Clay, that has been recognized. I just can't ignore that he made both teams twice before his injury and twice since. And that leaves me with one spot left and some notable players as candidates. Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Draymond Green, and Derrick Rose. Rose is the one that it kills me most to leave off. As the youngest player ever to win league MVP and the one-man tornado he represented in his first three seasons with the Chicago Bulls, along with the evolution, not unlike Dwight Howard, required to return to relevance in the league, I so want to recognize what he has done, especially since his downfall is largely the result of forces beyond his control. The first is his devastating injuries. The difference between him and what led to Clay's current status is that Derek had to carry a much heavier load earlier in his career and had to do it with far less talent around him. The man averaged 42 minutes a game through his first three postseasons. The second thing is that the nature of the game changed on him 
while he was trying to recover from his injuries. Three-point shooting was not an essential skill for point guards when he first got hurt, but it was by the time he got back. That he shot a career-high 41% last season is a testament to his success in adding it, and I am certain he would have earlier if his career had not been interrupted or it had been a priority. But again, that's what could have been. Do I think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes, I do. And I plan to address that in an upcoming episode. But here, he doesn't make it. Draymond Green doesn't make it either. And I'm sure there are a healthy number of listeners who might question him even being mentioned. Listeners who give far too much credence to Charles Barkley's jabs at Draymond. Being named All-Defense six times, including four times first team, along with a Defensive Player of the Year award, and being the defensive backbone of three championship teams, merits being considered, along with being the primary playmaker for all three of those championship teams. Steph, Clay, and Dre deserve to be in some sort of special category as one of the greatest three-man nuclei in league history, which, now that I think about it, probably should be the subject of an upcoming episode as well ranking or selecting the best three-man combos ever. But it's not enough to get all three of them into the 75 all-time greatest. I suspect if there were oversights in selecting the all-time top 50, that doing that for the Knicks in the 70s was one of them. I'm not going to make the same mistake with my top 75 here. All of which brings me to a choice between two players for the last spot. Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving. Both have been number twos on one championship winning team, notably both with LeBron James. Kyrie has been on three All-NBA teams and AD has been on four. Both have been marginally successful as the best player on their team, putting up impressive stats that haven't quite equated with actual winning. Both are also early enough in their careers. Kyrie is 28, AD is 27 that there's still time for them to add to their resumes and erase the sometimes great, sometimes missing in action tags that they've both earned for various reasons. But I have to give the nod to AD, largely because of his talent and contributions at both ends of the floor. Offensively, a case could be made that Kyrie is far more lethal, far more capable of winning a game as a closer. But the defensive uh, component is a landslide in favor of AD. Four first-team all-defensive selections to go with his four first-team all-NBA teams made. Even though I think much of the reason AD is viewed by many as a superstar and has the accolades to show for it are statistically driven, I fully recognize what he's capable of and at times has demonstrated. He's one of the most talented two-way big men in the league right now and has been for most of his career. He just hasn't always made the most of that talent when it matters most. But for the 75th spot, I don't have anyone who is so talented or has accomplished so much that I can leave him off. My hope is that he spends the second half of his career making me look like a sage for giving him such a coveted spot in the history of the league. And there we are. Mission accomplished. 
Feel free to share your thoughts, as I'm sure you will, on anyone that would be in your top 75 that wasn't in mine, or at least your top 15 over the last 15 seasons. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I may address the Derrick Rose Hall of Fame credentials, or I may go in another direction. Right now, that's at the top of the list. We shall see when we get there. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.